When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Lloyd, Newcastle Mini and BMW. For the latest offers and to browse their used car stock, go to LloydMotorGroup.com. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today joined by Lee Ryder and Chris Woff. Uh, we'll start with the Everton game. Guys, we'll probably just brush over it because it wasn't exactly a classic that'll live long in the memory. Uh, Lee, what did you make of the game? Was it a case that Newcastle just ran out of steam after what has been a great run? I think so. I mean, we all went in the game hoping Newcastle could solidify that top 10 place and maybe climb above Everton. But maybe with the benefit of hindsight now, looking back, it was probably a stretch too far. It's never, it's never nice playing against Big Sam's teams, is it? It's, it wasn't, it wasn't nice watching them when he was manager here. Although they got some positive results at the beginning, but it's never nice going in against them. And it was just a very abject game to watch, really. And decided by a, a strange goal, I thought the and mm. cross was a bit of a hit and hope. Maybe it caught Newcastle by surprise because I think. Malassia and Walcott did switch sides switch, for the start of the second half and maybe they just caught them out a little bit and then I think they had two chances to clear Yedlin and Lascelles and then Walcott's not going to miss from there so it was and after that I, I did have I did have fears of Newcastle getting back in the game and really the, the chances they did create they didn't do much with so it was, uh, maybe they probably should have had a penalty mm. but other than that when the final whistle went you just wanted to forget about it do you think Benitez will be disappointed at the way they performed or was it just one of those nights? I think to a certain extent but that's just because he's a born winner and doesn't like losing any game and the frustrating thing with Newcastle was that the game was there for the taking and it almost mirrored the game back in, in December when they lost to Everton. That's what Sam Aldice's teams do though as Lee says he, he reduces the game to that Newcastle had gone in the game really good form really good rhythm and Everton were just taking ages over free kicks, so they were things in the box. It just took the pace out of the game. And Newcastle, I think it was what frustrated Benitez after the game was when he kept on talking about experiences, that's what Newcastle lacked. They lack those players who can really overcome that, who, who are used to that soul, whereas Everton have the likes of Walcott, who they spent £20 million on in January, Rooney, these players who were so experienced in that regard. And Newcastle didn't take their chances, which they've been guilty of most of the season other than the last two, three months really and there was one moment that was sticking me in the game though and that was when Newcastle fans were singing you've got Sam Allardyce I don't necessarily like it when fans insult one another but it was just such a simple thing to sing and Newcastle fans have been there before and it almost just highlights the was probably an existential crisis Everton are going through at the start of the season it was all we're going to be the team we're going to break into the top six and now they're lumbered with Sam Allardyce fans aren't sure if they want them the club don't know who else they can bring in and Newcastle have a manager who everyone firmly believes in and, and thinks he's the man to take them forward well everyone hopefully including the owner I'm sure we'll get on to that eventually we'll get on to the question of experience and what the summer might hold for 
But yes, but Lee, what did you make of Islam Slimani's first start for Newcastle? Yeah, I mean, it's not one we'll, we'll be writing articles about in, in years to come, unfortunately. But I think he was probably let down by that pass from Perez. You're not going to get too many chances against Everton or any Allardyce team. Uh, really poor bit of thinking from Perez. Again, you're asking too much of him to be absolutely brilliant and sensational like he has been in the games before. But I just think maybe a bit of complacency crept in and... So we'll never know but Slomani would have at least had a clear cut chance and he could have marked that first start with a goal didn't really happen for him after that I think he just he cut a frustrated figure by the time he was taken off and hopefully he's got better days ahead but I just think time's running out I thought he looked willing it was just a case of including that chance Newcastle just didn't really get the ball to him enough in the areas he'd want and he did a lot of running and tried to get in behind um, in terms of Perez, I felt a little bit sorry for him because it was almost one of those days where you could see the endeavour was there, but just nothing was working for him. He just had a really off day, and, and when Perez is, isn't really on it, I think that the strikers can, can struggle as well. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see more Smarty before the season's out because he needs he needs proper service really. Another good chance, a good might be a harsh way, but another chance for Dwight Gale. Uh, put it over obviously he's, he's fallen back but you would say a quality strike would at least get that one on target yeah I think a, a top striker full of confidence would get it on target Gale just the longer the season goes on the, the less he looks like he's going to shame because I think his all around game has improved so much but he is lacking that currency I think it's one goal in 18 or something in the Premier League um, yeah that, that's again Newcastle didn't in January or last summer go out and sign that Top level forward, and in, and in games like that, where it is really tight, that, that's probably going to cost you in the end. And it did. Grand, and I mean, all in all, just felt like an end of season kind of game. I know we've still got a few, a few games left, obviously, yeah. on Saturday, but just had that, that feeling the castle are safe. And yeah, I think I don't, don't even think the Monday night thing had a bit of a, mm. an effect on Newcastle. They waited while everyone else had played over the weekend, and it might everyone you know talks about football and saying what a great life they've got, but I think. Sometimes mentally, going to the hotel during the day and sitting around for like six hours, not that they're just sitting around, they do, they go for team walks and stuff like that and have meals, but I just think that kind of like their fatigue during the day might set in. It's not an ideal time to play, eight o'clock on a Monday night. Um, the players much prefer afternoon kickoffs, and yeah, I'm not making excuses for them, but I just think that that was definitely a factor and also if they had to get something out of the game if they absolutely had to and they were pushed I think they would have probably come away with a point um, but they didn't and it was, as you say it just tapered off into an end of season game and as much as Rafa Benitez is someone who never wants somebody to switch off we've seen it with, with other teams before that when you actually reach the target you set yourself at the start of the season it's very difficult to go again mentally to go again Brighton did it last season when Newcastle picked up the title in the end for Brighton promotion was the be all and end all Newcastle expected to win the title and eventually went and did it to then Newcastle this season the target was survival 40 points was the target they achieved that last weekend and even if you you go down 1 or 2% mentally subconsciously I think it does affect you and I, I think that that did play a little part as well uh, Just briefly on, on to West Brom they've kind of had a, a, a the resurgence under under Moore, um, looking much better than they were under Alan Pardew. Uh, obviously, I mean they're relegated. Strange, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I mean, I mean they they are down. I think 
I think uh, you know that nine points and there's, there's there's not much to play for, but it's still going to be a bit of a danger on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it seems that, that there's a real unity now about West Brom, which certainly wasn't the case just a few weeks ago. And even when they were 2 0 down against Liverpool, they came back. So uh, it's going to be a completely different proposition to if they'd have faced them a few months ago. You'd still hope that Newcastle on home soil, given their recent record, would be able to beat West Brom. But it's going to be a one of a case of the, we know that they've got some very big players, they're going to try and get the balls in the box, counter-attack against Newcastle. It's it's It'll be interesting to see what team Benitez puts out because he hinted on Friday that in the coming weeks we're going to see a lot more of the of the fringe players who are basically, to a certain extent, he said, fighting for their futures. And we saw Slomani on Monday. I think they'll probably see him again. And then it's whether the likes of Mikel Marino or maybe even someone like Chancellor Bemba comes into the team. And Benitez will want to get the balance right to not take too many players out of the equation. But at the same time, if if you want to play those players, they've got a bit of a point to prove. Now might be the time because you need to keep that intensity high. I suppose on the other hand, West Brom are going to have a lot of players who are going to be in the shop window. Gio Rodriguez, for instance, and someone who was linked with Newcastle last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be a case of West Brom walking up and Newcastle winning it, they're going to have to really play well. Yeah, they are. I think, you know, you look at West Brom, it's it's strange when we talk about pressure, it's almost the opposite kind of happened to them. Mm. The pressure's off because they're pretty much doomed and they've picked up four points from teams you wouldn't expect them to do. So, I don't know, maybe the relief is, is there for them. But this game's it's a little bit different. I think a sellout crowd at St James Park, uh, afternoon kickoff. Everyone in a in a relatively good mood. Um, I think they've got a great chance of getting the three points. Hopefully, put on a bit of a show. Yes, there probably will be a couple of tweaks in the team, but you know this is all season. That's the game. You know when everyone was saying they need to win at least three more games, mm-hmm. they need to win four more games, whatever it was. This game was always the one where they said they get three points. So you know, hopefully, they can still have that mentality going into this one and, and finish. Finish the season, not on a high, but just finish the season in a nice, steady manner and winning this game is important. Um, and then whatever happens in the, the three after that, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Tottenham away is going to be tough. Watford, strange team. Um, you never know what you're going to get down there. And then, you know, I think the big finale against Chelsea. I think Newcastle probably win that one as well. So this one and Chelsea and then see what they can get out of the away games. Another good chance for John Joshavi to... Say to Gareth Southgate, I'm your man for the summer now. Obviously, Ox- uh, Oxen Chamberlain is, is unfortunately ruled out of the world. Mm. He's had a brilliant few months. Um, but, you know, for Shelby, it's, an, it's a game against the bottom side. He'll, he probably will get a lot of space. Yeah. Um, he has to make the most of this. Well, he does. I think consistency has always been the, the big criticism that you can throw at him that he just seems to play three or four good games and then disappears for ten. This this game's really important for him. Don't think it'll be the be all and end all. I, th- I just have I just got a feeling Southgate's already made made his mind up. I think I've said before he's not a risk taker. He doesn't like taking gambles. He's not controversial. He's a typical FA man, and he'll he'll pick the the team that doesn't sort of rock the boat. And I just don't, I, I don't know. I, I think Shelby will have to be spectacular to get in. He probably deserves it, but I just. 
think he'll have to be spectacular to get in. He's going to be up against Jake Livermore this weekend, who's the one who a lot of people look at the squad and think, well, how is he in it? Because Southgate knows him, he knows him well. And, but if Shelby can really impress against him, then he, he gives himself a bit of a chance. I think for the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes against Everton, I got the impression that Shelby thought Southgate was there. I don't believe that he was. I didn't see him. I haven't seen anyone said he was. I know that the reports leading up to that he was going to be, but I haven't actually. We kept looking out throughout the game, so possibly he was, but... Every time Shelby got the ball in those first 15 minutes, you could see he was, he was almost going for that Hollywood pass. He didn't necessarily have the, the discipline he's had in recent weeks where he's really seen it's on and gone for it. And I think that that's sometimes where he almost gets ahead of himself and he needs to just play his natural game, just do as Rafa Benitez tells him. I think that's where he's going to have his best chance. So it's when he overthinks these things and thinks, oh, Southgate's here, I'm going to ping a pass. He just needs to play what comes naturally to him. And he's had a he's had a strange kind of season. He's had a strange attitude all the way through the season. The Delhi Alliance in, in the first game, and then, as Chris will tell you, and we all know, he, he kind of, I wouldn't say he got in a, to with, wouldn't say he got in a, a battle with the press, but he just seemed to take that personally. Mm-hmm. He thought he was criticised by the written press more. And you, which game were you trying to speak to? Brighton, Brighton. and he he didn't want to speak. No, um, I think I've tried a couple of times to, to get words off him. Doesn't doesn't want to speak. You don't want to speak to me now, that kind of thing. And I don't know. He just seemed to be in this this battle. A few more interviews have come out recently, but I do think that they've been driven by his agent, who's now trying to make a a big push to to get his name in the headlines. But I just think the whole. Attitude has been not not necessarily a bad attitude, but he's had a very defensive attitude throughout the season, and I, and I just don't think it's helping. Just focus on your football. If you, you need to talk to the press after a game, talk to the press. You're not to actually talking to the journalists. I think one of the national lads said on oh, about Sunderland the other day that none of the Sunderland players would speak after the game, which I think is absolutely disgraceful. But you're not actually talking to the you're talking to your fans, you're talking to the season ticket holders, and you've got to get your message out there. And if if you don't want to do it and it's kind of people don't know how you're feeling and that kind of thing so yeah it's been a strange season but ultimately performance is all that counts and he's been good in the last few weeks can he keep it up going in the last few games just picking up on that point that Lee says about speaking to the fans it, it's a general thing about professional football that is part of, of their job whether they like it or not it is and this isn't having to go with Shelby this is a, this is a generalisation over the last few years, particularly when Newcastle were going through the really bad spell, it used to be the same faces that Megan Lee would speak to. You knew that, that any any of the lads from, from the Netherlands would speak if you spoke to Jan Matt or Wijnaldum. They would always stop, no matter how bad the situation. But there was a culture at Newcastle back then where a lot of players would try to avoid it. In general now, it's a lot better. There's five, six players you're pretty sure are going to stop if you ask them. Um, but there's almost a, the British players are sometimes the most reluctant to speak not the likes of Jamal Lascelles and, and people like that, they are very good at it, but, but there has been a culture in the last five, ten years, not just at Newcastle, but around, and I think that some players, that needs to be drilled into, that this is this is part of your job, This is you need to speak to those fans. They do, they all want to speak to you as well, really, deep yeah. down, they all want to speak to you. There's no doubt about it, they make out that they don't want to talk to the journalists, but like I've covered football right across the divisions, and normally, lower league, that Scunthorpe and Hartlepool places like that. If you're if if you find yourself interviewing one player after the game, the other players go, "Oh, you never speak to me," or they'll be sticking their their head in the tape or whatever, and they'll be messing around like trying to put the other player off. They all want the attention of the media. Just sometimes, 
they get into this strange kind of battle and they don't they, they feel that there's an agenda against them which isn't always the case if you I mean I do the merit marks you do merit marks as well and it's the most controversial thing that appears on Twitter you'll get people going oh, you must have been in a different game to me heard that about 10 million times I think so far um, but at the end of the day if a player plays bad and you think he's bad you give him whatever you whatever you it's do. your personal opinion isn't it and I think opinion. that's what people are it's not a fact that's just you saying that that's what you saw <laughs> yeah and sometimes people see different things in yeah. games you know um, off the ball on the ball that kind of stuff and it's it's an opinion but I do think the players as well they do read that can be a way that a player stops talking to you that they see you you've gave them a 5 out of 10 or a 6 or a 7 or whatever and uh, yeah it can be it can be a very strange science getting player interviews and uh, I can't even remember how we started talking about this <laughs> John Joe Shelby was right. so, so, the, so there's 4 games left um, will John Joe Shelby speak to the written press in them 4 games that's that ask that question after the Chelsea game and we'll, we'll see where we are two questions would you take if you were Gareth Southgate would you take him and do you think Gareth Southgate will take him um, would I take him probably yes um, just on the basis that he's different and he can't he can't ping a pass and you know going back to the tournaments like Italia 90 I mean, Gaza, different type of player, but it's them, it's them moments, it's them, like the Belgium game where David Platt scored, last minute, uh, extra time. It's them moments where you need someone who can put a quality ball in the box, and that's what England may need this summer. Will Southgate take him? As I say, not even with with the injury to the Ox. I, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough. I don't have a strong enough opinion as to say whether he should go or not in terms of whether Southgate will take him. Um, you really I don't like international football, do you? Well, I'm not a massive fan. I don't. I haven't seen enough of England to really, really see. I think he would give something different. So in that regard, possibly, but I, I haven't seen enough of the other midfielders in England. Really, way to kill the debate. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not a massive fan of of international football, but it's probably a bit different for me. I was brought up on Italian ninety. Uh, Euro 96 they were the big tournaments to be did qualify in 94 uh, they were the big tournaments for me um, but I mean what were the first World Cups you remember I just about remember 98 so just about not sensational nothing to right yeah um, and then after that 2002 yeah, quarterfinals yeah. no interest there no no I did, uh, it's it, World Cup slightly different it's not just about England I, mean, I wouldn't say I'm a massive England fan I like major tournaments I think there's a bit of colour to them it's it's different I mean this summer's going to be bizarre being in Russia I think it's going to be slightly different in that regard but just seeing other teams on the international stage um, so I do like major tournaments but in terms of avidly following England through qualifiers and things I don't I really share, much share sentiments um, score predictions for Saturday then Lee um, I think a good 3-1 win and Chris 2-0 Newcastle now just a quick message from our sponsors are you looking for a brand new or used mini or BMW then look no further than Lloyd Newcastle they have an impressive range of all the latest Mini and BMW models, complete with the latest tech to keep you connected, entertained and safe on the roads, such as the Mini Countryman, Mini's most spacious model, 
with optional all-four four-wheel drive technology or BMW xDrive, an intelligent all-wheel drive system offering a new dimension to driving enjoyment. With a whole range of optional features available, including head-up display, mini-connected, sat-nav, headed seats, parking sensors, stereo upgrades and more, you can really make your Mini or BMW your own. Or if you're looking for a used car to be proud of, they have over 600 approved used vehicles across the Lloyd Group available with competitive finance packages. For the latest offers and to see their used car stock, visit www.lloydmotorgroup.com or why not just pop in, you can find them off Barrett Road just up from St James's Park. Lloyd Newcastle, the way it should be. On to the future, obviously Rathbunny is the future is always the main question. He spoke about wanting an experience and his side to kind of take Newcastle United forward. That's obviously going to cost a bit of money. Uh, you've done a piece today on how much Newcastle are likely to get finishing 10th and, and all that that comes with it. Um, it's going to be an interesting summer. Well, if they finish 10th, they'll get around about 120 million all in from the, that's from the Premier League itself, so that doesn't include match day income and things like that but there's five facets to it three of which are set so they're guaranteed 79 million and then they've had set that have had 17 games on tv so they'll get 20 odd million from that and then if they finish 10th it's 20.1 million or something like that but it's 1.9 million for every position high you finish so if they were to drop down a few they'd lose maybe five or six million if they go up a few they can gain a bit more as well um and then the big question is how much of that will Benitez have to spend this summer because I mean Benitez all season actually well certainly the last few months has, has kept on saying that we will be more competitive this summer he's, he's maintained that for a while and he's kept talking and he certainly expects to get at least a decent proportion of that TV money so even if he gets if he gets half of it that's 70 million 60 to 70 million um, which is a reasonable enough start if but if you want two three four very good players that's going to take a massive dent in that already. So, yeah, going forward, we'll see that. He wants experience. Cost-wise, I think in terms of general outlay, like last summer he wanted either Caballero or Reina. The actual outlay on the, the transfer fee itself wouldn't have been huge, but I think it's the it's the wages that get factored in with those above. It's also the fact, is there any sell-on value? For Benitez, it's, it's, they're worth more than just that figure in the team. He, he, he's felt Newcastle lacked that experience in certain games, Monday night being key for it. And if they really want to be regular challengers for a top eight finish, potentially win a cup, you need a bit of that know-how and the cost The cost of it is worth it, regardless of whether there is no long-term income back into it. And I was just going to have 12 months going um, on, left on his contract come, come this summer. You wrote that you know at the moment everyone's a little bit relaxed, there's, there's no great urgency. But first off, it's not the first time Benitez has asked for experience. He's, this is going back. Yeah. Two, two transfer winners where he's pointing out that the team will need experience yeah a long time it's, it's been I mean Pardew and McLaren also asked for experienced players during their time in the charge uh, they didn't really get what they wanted Pardew was desperate to bring in an experienced centre back um, I think there was certain deals he was, he was trying to to get done James Tompkins being a player I think he tried to sign him about four times or something like that and you know he didn't get them and the problem is that Mike Ashley has got this kind of thing about the problem for Mike Ashley is he's a little bit scarred by his first year or two at Newcastle where he had to inherit a lot of transfers that were already arranged so we're talking people like Alan Smith uh, Jeremy um, who else was it was David Rosen to Hall um, 
Mark Viduka. Uh, so these players who were on big long, Michael Owen being a, a huge one, even though Michael Owen was, was already there, but he was draining the, the club's finances basically in the eyes of Ashley. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. And he's, got, he's just had this thing where doesn't want these sort of players who are past the best. I think actually in 2010 they released a statement and they actually naively said we don't want players who are living on past reputations. Uh, so they were applying business logic to football club and you need football logic at a football club for obvious reasons. And you need that experience in the team and Rafa will want to bring that in. And he, he's trying to not only get money but also take control of the blueprint at Newcastle and the philosophy and say look just leave all that to me if I need a player who's 32-33 to help me finish 7th or 8th then you've got to give me the chance to do that and that's what that's one of one of the many issues that he's had is, is getting that Pepe Reina being a big one last year they would they were never going to pay the money that he was asking no surprise he's just lined up a big money move to Milan so so yeah that, that's that's what he's aiming to, to do this summer. I think he'd want to bring in experienced players and how much he gets to spend, we'll have to wait and see. I saw Campbell was a deal with it as well, wasn't it? The yeah, where they, the, they actually went against what they were saying, Hutton begged for it yeah. and then that didn't work out and I think that's had a long-term legacy as well, hasn't it? Yeah, I think the warning sign on that one was if he wasn't going to make it at Notts County and in the bottom divisions, then he was never going to be a success here and, and so proved, but yeah, He's just completely. I mean, the Jeremy, Jeremy one was one of the worst ones because, you know, he, I think at one point you had just players who were just in the treatment room, uh, weren't playing, weren't available, and they were just on so much money. Alan Smith being a, a big, I think he was on eighty grand a week or something from coming in from Man United. So yeah, the, 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 he doesn't want to repeat that, but. Rafa's not the type to sign players who who are like that. I know there's been a couple that haven't worked out, but you, they're never all going to work out. Yeah. Jesus Gomez is probably the one that hasn't worked out really uh, in this batch. But he, look, he's a manager. You've got to give him what he wants, and uh, you can trust him. And the thing with as Lisa's about the blueprint, Rafa's made it clear on several occasions that he doesn't have a problem with the overall ideal being that the majority of players who come in are under 26 or whatever you, you, you're looking long term that you're going to develop them and they're either going to be worth so much more to you because they, they turn into a very good player for you or you can sell them on for a huge profit but you can, they are already if you're going to be successful at the same time you need to be able to sign two or three experienced players which will also have a knock on effect on those inexperienced players and help bring them through so really to Rafa it just makes sense that you can only have the Mike Ashley business model that he wants 
with being able to sign a little bit of experience here and there, it's going to benefit everything. And eventually, in theory, it's going to make everyone worth a lot more money, even if you don't never get feedback for that certain player you brought in. Is you understand the and what do you understand would be Mike Ashley's intentions this summer? Do you see if he does stay, doesn't sell the club, but he will back Benitez? I think you'll give Benitez some money. You'll, you'll definitely say there's a contract there if you want it. Um, you'll definitely say there's a portion of money there if you want it. And for me, unless someone comes in with a huge, huge bid, then, you know. I mean, talk that four hundred millions on the table is completely accurate. The the price has gone up. It's that that's that's what Mike Ashley does. He's a he's a business he's a business tycoon, and he'll try and make as much money out of uh, out of the club as possible. And he's not going to sell it on the cheap. Never was going to sell it on the cheap. Uh, staggered payments were were always there, and it would have always amounted to a decent uh, fee and. Look, whatever people think about the ownership, if you think Ashley's going to leave, it's a problem because he's sitting on a money-making, profit-making machine at Newcastle. As long as in the Premier League, money will come in. He's got Sports Direct plastered all around the stadium. Whenever they've got a huge game against Man United or Liverpool or Chelsea, that gets beamed around the world. It's a cushy number for him. So it's going to take someone with an astronomical bid to come in and and, and move them on. Um, I personally think it, the club does need a new owner, but who who that person's going to be, I don't know. Do either of you see Manasteri coming back? Uh, I suppose if the price tag is four hundred million, it doesn't seem likely. But do you, do you see uh, coming back with with any offer on the table? I think there is still interest there, but if, if it's four hundred million, I mean, even now that they are. Securing the Premier League for another year, her reasoning in the interview she gave, she gave to the Times as to why she wouldn't go higher than the fee she's already given is because she thinks there's so much extra money needs to be invested in. I don't think, from the sounds of it, that she wants to, to put that out And if she has the ability to reach that money in the first place, then £400 million that would eat into the ability to be able to, to build the club going forward, in which case you would probably never get a return on it. And she made it clear it would be a business move as well so at this stage I think that that, that unless figures change significantly I think it's, it's looking unlikely but I still think there is an interest there and then, and then the danger is if it's not stably and it's somebody else um, and you look at someone like well look at Sunderland for a start uh, Ellis Short's lost interest if you end up with an owner who lo- loses interest completely that's what happens I suppose just I mean in a way you Got to give Mike actually some credit, perhaps, for what he did when Newcastle went down at the championship. Because it's quite easy to compare the two. He backed Benitez, yes. Newcastle went down largely because of Ashley's mistakes in the first place. But mm. he still went out and said, "Right, we're back here." Newcastle got promoted. Ellis Short hasn't done. Some have been relegated. You know, the results are quite easy to see. I mean, Mark Douglas threw me under the bus when we did a live podcast and didn't listen to what I said about this very point. Where I wouldn't give Ashley credit because he got himself in the situation in the first place, but. Newcastle last season had a Premier League budget in the Championship and Mike Ashley did put some money in to get them back up. He hasn't put enough money in over the years and so therefore he was doing the bare minimum and he realised that he had an asset there that if he wants to make his money back on it, he's going to have to 
speculated or cute name for one of a better term. Ellis Shaw, for whatever reason, has decided the opposite and he, he won't put any more money into Sunderland, but he, he's going to keep losing money because he's going to have to sell them for an even smaller price. I don't really understand what his logic is. Mike Ashley has applied business logic to Newcastle, as he does when he takes over. Say if he takes over failing firms, he knows if you put a little bit of money in here and you can get them solid again. He's tried to do that in Newcastle, so I'm not going to say he deserves credit, but he's just thought it through and realised that if you get them back into the Premier League, I can get a bigger return. I think that is a short thing. Is it? I mean, everyone in this room, really, we're outsiders looking in on, on, on Sunderland, and we don't know all the ins and outs, but from my point of view, it's, it was a bit of an ego trip, a short going to Sunderland, and he, lo- he loved it when they were, had the six in a row, and I think he really tried to be one of the fans in terms of, you know, was loving sticking two fingers up at, at Newcastle's team playing on one incident and I think he swore at Alan Pardew to his face and he really, he got too emotionally wrapped up in all of that and then, you know, when it comes to the crunch and putting your money on the table and stopping the club going in League One, no way to be seen, doesn't work. send somebody else out to do his talking. It's, it's just been an, it's embarrassing for him really, but, you know, and Mike Ashley completely... Not completely different. He doesn't come out and talk, but he's never talked in during the good times. Obviously, he's done a couple of things with Sky, where I think he's tried to be honest. But I just think Mike Ashley is a businessman. He he doesn't seem to know enough about the football industry, which I think he's admitted, mm. uh, to be able to do the club on a day-to-day basis, and that's why you've got Lee Charney there. And interestingly, Charney, um, kind of the championship. He was kind of given a, a free win in a way so you go and do it and Benitez kind of got the players he wanted. Newcastle went up that January in the Championship. My gosh, kind of came back on board. Everything didn't quite go to plan. And since then, we've seen that kind of going on down the same path. Big summer for, for Lee Charles. Justin Barnes is there. Again, we don't know a lot about Justin Barnes. He's a very yeah. kind of secretive uh, player behind the scenes. Um, I suppose we could, could maybe see... We, we, the fans are maybe hoping for Lee Charlie to be given that for him because maybe he doesn't get enough credit for what happened during that summer in the championship. Well, I think with Lee Charnley, it's it's definitely one of the hardest jobs in football that he's got. I, and I think he's one of the lowest paid mm-hmm. managing directors in the Premier League. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think for him, in some ways, he's almost... Mike Ashley ultimately will have... Just about, I know everyone says he wants to be in the background and he does want to be in the background because he's not coming out and talking and he's, he doesn't even go home games but ultimately he'll have nothing will get past him so therefore Lee Charnley's got to work right in the middle of Benitez and Ashley and he's probably going back and forward and it's probably a very frustrating job and really in the past Lee Charnley's role has been to push administration through on player deals get all the contracts signed, sealed and delivered but ultimately, at the end of the day, the only one person who can sign off something is Ashley, uh, because it's his his club ultimately. So difficult situation. So it's a big. I would. I wouldn't just say it was a big summer for Lee Charnley because it's not ultimately down to him. It's not his money. It's a big. It's a big summer for Ashley, and it's he's got to give Rafa a competitive spending pot. And if he doesn't, then. Look at the league table at the minute. West Brom, bottom. Southampton down there. Stoke down there. If you don't invest and have fresh ideas, then you'll you'll get chucked out of that league. 
straight away, and then or, you don't know where. Then then you don't want to, don't even want to think about where Sunderland are. I suppose Argo could be all manager who invests properly. So Newcastle can they've got the manager, got the fan base, got the ground, got a good core players. All that is lacking is that is that budget. Yeah, and for in terms of the spending that Benitez has done, as we as Lee alluded to, there's been a couple of mistakes in there. Here's Gomez, Matt Sells. But if you weigh up the value of, of every single player that Benitez has signed, and the fact that he might, that the, the club managed to get fifty-five million pounds collectively for Wijnaldum and, and Sugar when they went down, but even putting that to one side, just the players Benitez has signed, if you all the values added together, there's no doubt that Newcastle would be massively in profit if they sold all those players. So he's a manager who really is make, increasing the value of your squad, increasing the value of your asset. So just give him the money to be able to do that, and then if he's got more to invest, he can bring in better players who will be, become even more valuable in the future. It's a market which is inflated now, so prices seem a lot higher than they once were before, but you're going to have to put the, the money in to get them at that price if you want to then be able to sell them on for a higher price in the future. And uh, there's other stuff that needs to be done at the club, we've alluded to it. So if Magash doesn't sell the club, he has to sit down, he has to look at transfers, he has to look at... Benitez getting a new contract. There's also the under 23s. I know Lee, you've watched a lot of the under 23s this season. Mm. It's not just investment in, in maybe new uh, scouting staff to bring them in or go around the schools, but it's it's a whole overwork of like you know the training ground and everything that goes with that, isn't it? Yeah, I think that Newcastle's training ground isn't the worst in the Premier League by, by any stretch, but it, it is in need of some modernisation. I think the pitches are immaculate, you can't argue with that. The, the ground staff do an amazing job down there and they do it to James and Park as well as everyone see, you know, hosting rugby games and then within a couple of weeks having it turned around and you know, this hallowed turf as it as it is, is a is a great job. But it's it's more so that the facilities in terms of um you know, it's quite pokey down there, isn't it? The dressing rooms are quite small. Um, it's quite a big distance between the the academy and there's not really a proper road that goes wrong there's all kinds of different things the best way of looking at it is look at where Newcastle what Newcastle have got and look at what Manchester City have got and they're never going to be able to afford what Man City have got for obvious reason but if they can get somewhere in the middle of that then they're, they're probably going to be doing okay in terms of the structure of the reserves in the under 23s I think they had something like 30, 37 young players on contracts last season this season <clears throat> and uh, you can't play them all and you've got a few of them from who've come in from other Premier League clubs Everton and Arsenal teams like that on, on reasonably big wage packets otherwise they wouldn't have come here anyway the path to the under 23 teams seemed to be blocked by players who were already going to be leaving the club um, so you know the under 18 team who's the best player out of that we haven't really been able to see that so next season there's got to be a, a clearer path and to be honest with under 23 football I think if a player comes up from the academy and they've done well they can probably only play I would say about 20 games for the under 23s and then you've you've learned that part of it and you've got to go out on loan so Chelsea are the masters at it in mm-hmm. terms of like they've got a massive pool of young players they send them all around the world to play and then eventually if they don't make it at Chelsea they sell them to other clubs like Newcastle with uh, Atsu and they make a profit on it so that's that's the one of the best models to do it um, Newcastle 
on the other hand, been playing, uh, paying all these players uh, to, to be on the books. And now they're saying, yeah, they're definitely going to get other clubs. The Newcastle won't get any money out of that. They paid them for like three, four years. And now, now they're looking for another club who's going to benefit from them. So it's it needs a, a real uh, overhaul. But some there's some names there, you know, the likes of Dan Boleza, Victor Fernandez, who have impressed. Uh, mm. Victor Fernandez especially looks like he's a, he has left an impact on Benitez. Be interested to see what the summer holds for them. Yeah, I think re- realistically they've got to get out on loan. Uh, Barleza. That crew, unfortunately, that wasn't the right club for him. I mean, the top top clubs, teams like Juventus, um, AC Milan, Real Madrid, all, all the all the top clubs, they actually have somebody in a position who the the loan manager, mm. and they look after all the loans. They keep an eye on it. Everything that's happening, are they getting enough minutes? They pinpoint clubs where they can go, and they're going to be a good move for them. If Newcastle had an efficient loan manager, then the Barlazer situation wouldn't have happened. He's gone to crew, he hardly kicked the ball, he's ended up coming back here, not feeling great about himself. So Newcastle have got to make sure that these uh, loans are exactly right. Someone like Sean Longstaff, on the other hand, he's gone to Blackpool, he's played in almost every game, he's nearly on double figures for the season coming from midfield, which is a great, um, great benefit for the player and a great tally. And now, next season, he'll, he'll probably go into the first team and train in pre-season and he might get a chance in some of the friendlies, he might impress, he might stay on. Probably go to another club on loan, maybe in the Championship, but that's a success story. So it can be done, it's just a case of having the right organisation behind the scenes. I don't think Rafa's had that much impact in the last two years and I think he wants more control. I mean, it'd be positive for Benitez to get that, but there is, there, there is rumours that it was kind of is money to be invested in the training ground or is it money to be put in the transfer budget? It wasn't either or, it, was, it is you know, budget or, or training ground and academy. But again, this is this is the... Mike Ashley needs to have a proper sit-down if, if he isn't going to sell it and have a think about this because if he wants the club to become worth £400 million as he think it, thinks it is, then he needs to make sure that it, it is the best it can be in those regards, not the pound-for-pound pound rubbish statement that came out the other year. I mean, in terms of, you look at the training ground, just an example of Brighton have invested 20-odd million in their training ground, and it's, 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 it's exceptional now. Newcastle are going to their facility, which, as Lee says, the ground, the actual pitches are fantastic. They've brought in the best facilities they can in the area they've got, but it's not big enough. It's not conducive to really having a connection between the first team and the academy because they're not really connected in that regard. And, the academy, if he wants to start producing players and wants to start being able to a not spend on transfer fees of having to bring players in because you can bring them through your system and b you bring them through your system and if they're not quite good enough for you sell them on and make a bit of money, then that needs investing in it needs the initial investment for, for that to come through so it can't just be the players and then it, otherwise it's just you, you can only grow to a certain extent then you need it to be the whole package. And that was kind of the original uh, question getting where you've gone there is that. When he does sit down and save Stavely or whoever comes back and says, right, that's 350, 375, he's got this figure of 400 million. Do you think he'll sit down and think, oh, actually, you know what, if Benitez comes to me and says, I want 10 million spent on the, on the training ground of the academy, plus all the players, Benitez wants, he's going to go, actually, maybe I might not cut my losses, but I might accept that 370 and then 
a mind I can deal with the rest. It's it's nice to think that that might happen, but I just think, in a way, Mike Ashley will be looking to probably go the other way, probably work it into a deal so it's 430 million or something <laughs> like that. I just, it, it's got to be an offer that's going to like blow his socks off, basically. Um, and at the minute, that, that offer isn't on the table. There, there is interest, yeah. There's, there's always interest in, in football clubs. Look at Gateshead, there's meant to be people interested in buying them. Um, there's talk of people interested in buying Sunderland, but what do they, they, nine times out of ten, they don't come forward, do they? I mean, famously, at Man United a lot of years ago, Michael Knighton on the pitch with his uh, Adidas training top on, doing kick-ups in front of the Stratford end. And then Man United at that time thought, this guy's going to come in and revolutionise the place. And he didn't even didn't even have the money to buy it. So Newcastle have had tyre kickers in the past linked with them. Didn't have the money to buy it. So look, it's, the fans want to at least want to know um, at some stage if there's going to be no buyer, come on, Mike, let's get this plan up and running. Let's get the money out there. And it, it, it does seem to be that willingness to give Rafa a contract, give him some money to spend. And he's got to fall in love with football again. It's, it's a lot easier when Newcastle are sitting 10th and they've yeah. got off many years and the fans and the city have fallen back in love really with the, with the club after 10 years of what can only be described as a, a bit of a car crash and Benitez has come here he's, he's changed it and you know Newcastle I mean he's never going to be the, the guy who stands on the terraces and buy them on a pint anymore that's, that's not going to be the case I just think if there's not going to be a new buyer and we do have Rafa and we do have money, I think everyone's just got to focus completely on that because it's just not happening. This this sale at the moment isn't happening. And at the minute, it's all about just getting Rafa exactly what he needs because if you look at it, who's got, who's got the most chance of transforming Newcastle? Mike Ashley? Possibly. Rafa Benitez, if he gets the resources? Definitely. He'll win you a cup. He'll get you into Europe. He'll make sure that it's sold out every week. So let's. I think everyone's just got to focus on Rafa at the minute. And in terms of if Mike actually doesn't want a day-to-day run of Newcastle United, he still doesn't. Rafa Benitez is, is, is offering and wants to be in full control of football operations, which is the actual key integral part where everything else will fall into place if that's working. And yes, that is going to involve Mike Ashley in the short term putting a bit of money into his, getting a bit of money out of his pocket or just at least allowing and freeing up the funds from this season but then just just give it to Rafa Benitez and give him the freedom to work within that and then everything else will fall into place yeah I mean it's about his judgement at the end of the day and fans even when we put that story out last night that positive vibes coming out of the club now yes there's going to be a contract offer yes there's going to be money people are like nah it hasn't happened there's a trust issue and you're going to have that negativity unless it's proven that you know a lot of money can be spent, but you just the one thing that worries people is, is the judgment of Mike Ashley. This is a guy who's gave Joe Kinnear a job twice. <sighs> can he can he really see what we're seeing with with Rafa? What I see is a world class manager who who will win your cups. What what is what is Mike Ashley seeing? What are people telling him that is there? That that is the that's the problem. And uh, until all that's sorted out, then. Newcastle always are going to be a club that could succeed rather than will succeed. 
in, in limbo, I guess. Uh, but certainly going to be an interesting summer. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, you can keep to date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including uh, coverage of the West Brom game on Saturday. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Spotify or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedback. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch? This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.